Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk, everyone. Um, today we're speaking with a, a a wonderful lady who's head of a very important role. Uh, she's the director of communications at We Are Sharing Hope in South Carolina, and their primary role is they are an organ procurement agency. And today we're going to be talking about um, the impact of COVID nineteen on organ donors and donation. So, welcome to the show, Christine. Thank you so much for having me. So tell us a little bit about We Are Sharing Hope uh, South in South Carolina. Absolutely. So We Are Sharing Hope is uh, South Carolina's organ and tissue donor program. And so we are responsible for facilitating the gift of life um, for our donor heroes here in South Carolina. We're um, one of 58 that are across the country. So every um, region has their own. They are... Um, divided based on uh, federal guidelines. So we're federally designated to cover the entire state of South Carolina. Um, and that means that we're responsible for educating up to 5 million people in the state about the importance of organ, eye, and tissue donation, as well as registering them. Um, and then we have frontline teams that are in the hospitals, um, supporting our families, educating them on what organ, eye, and tissue donation means. And the legacy that their loved one can leave through that gift. Uh, we also have clinical coordinators who are able to help facilitate that gift of life. And working in partnership with our donor hospitals and our transplant centers, we're able to uh, provide that gift of life to those who are waiting. In um, the state of South Carolina, there's about 1,200 people who are waiting for a transplant. And uh, nationally, that looks like about 112,000 people. It's amazing, isn't it? Uh, uh, well, we're we're mostly talking to the kidney community, so we all know about kidney donation. But what other organs and tissues can be donated just to educate everyone? Sure. So um, one organ donor can save up to eight lives um, through that. They can donate their obviously we know two kidneys, um, two lungs, your heart, your liver, uh, your small intestines, and your pancreas can all be donated. Um, for a second chance at life. And then one tissue donor can actually enhance the lives of up to 75 people through the gift of tissue donation. Wow. And, and I mean, a lot of tissue goes to burn victims, right? And like yes. a corneal eye replacement. I'm, I'm, is that correct? Yes, yes, that's correct. So we are able to, our heroes are able to donate skin, um, bones, tendons, heart valves, all of those which are life-enhancing and provide a, an opportunity for those who are in need of um, of those reconstructive surgeries. And then cornea transplants provide sight to um, up to two people. So it's an amazing gift. Well, maybe I should ask, is there anything you won't take? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we're we're just grateful for the gifts. I know, are, I know. I mean, I mean, it's yeah. it's it's amazing because uh, you know I've received a lot of blood transfusions, and that goes through the Red Cross. And you right. know, you never know when you need something until you really need it, and then it's not there. So we really do depend on the generosity of others. Right. And um, and as they say, you can't take your organs to heaven, right? So you might as well right. help somebody else. <laughs> 
Right. <laughs> so uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, COVID-19 is just, sure. I, I mean, I can't even like, I can't even comprehend it. You know, it's still, right. I still think I'm in shock denial mode. Uh, but um, how is that changing the conversation with uh, COVID-19 and organ donation? That's a great question. And I think that you hit it right on the the head is that it sort of just has shaken us all and we're all really just adapting. And um, I know when it became sort of a reality for us, we responded and our, our teams responded and our families responded. And um, I think that that's a testament to, to the amazing staff and, and the mission of donation really, truly. Um, so when we first were presented with COVID-19, you know, it, became a reality on the front lines with our staff who navigate the hospitals, um, with our hospital partners. And so we had to make adjustments, you know, regarding PPE. We had to make sure that our staff was protected. We had to make sure that we had testing options available for our um, donors because each donor was being tested so that we could provide a clear clinical picture for our transplant partners. We had to navigate what we were documenting and how that looked. Um, but really the mission of donation was able to continue and it, though it looks a little bit different, um, our staff are doing an amazing job of supporting our families. And, and that's a little uh, new for us because we have an amazing team of family support counselors who work with our families in the hospital at the time of their loss. And a lot of that is getting to know them through that experience and supporting them. Um, for days on end, and this has presented a different sort of uh, navigation for them. <laughs> well, you know, I'm thinking about, I'm watching the news and stuff, and you're seeing the, a situation where a hospital, uh, you know, somebody passes away and the family can't even visit them. And so um, are you able to accept donors who have COVID-19? So we are not. Um, for those potential donors who test positive for COVID-19, that would preclude them from being an organ donor at this time. And, um, but that hasn't truly been something that we've experienced a lot of. We've, we've been able to work with our families and, um, find pathways for donor heroes who have not been, who have not tested positive. And you are right in that families aren't allowed to be in the hospital. And that's not just for COVID-19 patients. That's for all patients. Um, we've, seen them really limit the number of people that can come in and that can um, be a part of that end-of-life experience. And that's a really unique situation and circumstance that we're having to navigate because so much of what we do in the hospital is that support and that education of our right. donor families. Um, and so finding new ways to communicate with them, to support them has been um, part of what we've been navigating over the last month. Well, I think of a scenario where, you know, sadly, somebody is on the end of their life, they may have been in an accident, and they're on life support, and the family's right there, you know, they're deciding if they want to, um, the patient's been, you know, labeled clinically brain dead, and, and, you know, you have a chance to, like, sit and talk and talk with people, and now that whole dynamic has changed. Yeah. Uh, you either yeah, probably really have to has. do Zoom, or, I mean, I mean, I, it's just so surreal yeah. to me. I no, feel like it, I'm <laughs> watching a bad sci-fi movie or something like that. <laughs> right. Um, but 
I know that I choose to, you know, give the gift of life when I'm no longer here. And I wouldn't want anything to prevent that from happening. So if somebody makes a choice that they want to give the gift of life and something happens where they're able uh, to, you know, donate the gift of life, they you would still want to have their wishes carried out. Right. Absolutely. And that's really why we... Um you know, our teams are amazing and they're so mission driven and they know that. They know that our families are looking for that hope, um, for that glimmer of something that comes out of this loss. And so we have navigated, we have changed sort of what that looks like on the forefront, but it doesn't change our support of our families and um, our appreciation of the gift. And so we continue to remain mission focused. And that has been um, probably one of the most inspirational aspects of this entire thing is how our teams have adapted and how our families have adapted, how our community partners have adapted but all still remain focused on providing that gift of life. Are all donors who are potential donors able to be tested for COVID-19? Yes. So that is one of the things that we worked through at the forefront is really to find those local solutions that allowed us to get fairly quick testing. And so as our hospital partners were going through their um, testing solutions, we were working with them and our community partners to find um, a solution that really allowed us to have that quick turnaround because we already have to collect a panel um, so that we can provide a clear clinical picture for our transplant partners. So this was just added to that as part of our testing. And so we've been able to get um, 24-hour turnaround times on our COVID-19 testing, and we do test every donor just to ensure that we have a, a clear clinical picture for our transplant recipients. Well, we've also heard, too, that, you know, healthcare professionals are, you know, they're, they're the true heroes of our time. Uh, and have there been difficulties in shortages because of this and having the uh, the right amount of people to be able to do everything necessary? Have you ever encountered any shortages up till this point? So that's a great question. So we've um, been blessed and we've not really experienced any personnel shortages. Um, our teams have been able to remain focused and they really are the, the true superheroes of this time. And our clinical teams are in the hospital. Um, transplant surgery has been declared an essential surgery by CMS. And so that allows us to navigate around, sort of keep facilitating that gift that does require us to work with our regional transplant partners. And so there is um, logistics that we have to work through, such as travel. And if they're coming in from different states, what does that look like? What are the hospital protocols? And so we've been very um, upfront and forthcoming with what information we can provide our transplant partners as they um, come to for the recovery surgery and are able to, to sort of navigate that as well. So it has presented some new opportunities for us to explore different ways to do things, but um, we have been able to respond so well. And I'm proud of our teams here in South Carolina and really just across the country that have continued that. I know in March, um, through everything as COVID-19 sort of became a reality for us, we were still able to um, save 40 lives through 
the gift of donor heroes here in South Carolina. April is Organ Donor Awareness Month, and March is Kidney Month, and but every month is Organ Donor Awareness <laughs> Month, right? Right. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> have you? Uh, has there been any changes in you know people wanting to accept organs because of the COVID nineteen? Like somebody afraid to go to the hospital to get a transplant. No, our transplant partners have really um, been clear with their expectations. I think at the at the forefront, there was um, just making sure that they were doing their due diligence on testing and getting those results. And um, but we've been able to work with our transplant partners to to ensure that the right recipient is receiving that gift. So thankfully, we've been able to still continue providing those life saving gifts. From a April standpoint, from a National Donate Life Month, yes, that has been a wonderful sort of display of community and engagement. We, as a community and really across the country, spend most of our April um, out in the community talking to people, hosting events, having um, National Donate Life parties, turning the, the state's blue and green capitals, bridges, buildings, um, and really honoring and, and celebrating this special gift of life. And um, though we made the decision about mid-March to really sort of limit that, we did make a concerted effort to go virtual. So a lot of my colleagues across the country and um, here in South Carolina have really thought outside the box and ways to um, bring together our Donate Life community through virtual parties, through Zoom meetings, through newsletters and uh, challenges and Facebook Live posts. And so it's been really inspirational just to see everybody across the country um, take their messages online and create more of a virtual community. We talk a lot here in South Carolina about Though we're remaining socially distant, we're um, remaining virtually connected. So that's sort of been our mantra to uh, continue throughout the month of April. We are actually living in the clouds now. (laughs) 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 Aren't we? I mean, it's so weird. I just just had two Zoom meetings today, and I'm like, I work from home, and I mean... You know, I like virtually connecting, but that means I have to, you know, get dressed and I have to wear, I have to put some makeup on and make sure the lighting's, it's so much work to be in the cloud all the time, isn't it? Um, yes, yes. Well, um, well uh, any, you know, lessons you've learned that you can share with the rest of the country or successes you've had on having some of these parties, uh, finding um, little nuances that help spread the message because everybody's really afraid right now and we don't want to prevent people from considering this option. Right. No, I think that that's a great question and thank you. And and one of the things that we really wanted to ensure we were communicating from the very beginning is that the ability for people to stay home and to take that responsibility on themselves is very similar to that of an organ donor hero or a tissue donor hero. And when you really think about the fact that one person can make such a difference in somebody's life, our transplant recipients are immunosuppressed oftentimes, and that requires them to um, take extra precautions. And during times like this, we want to be able to, to encourage others to do their part, to stay home, to flatten the curve, to ensure that they're 
not spreading COVID-19, even if they're asymptomatic. And so um, it's really been an opportunity for us to highlight the stories of our volunteers and of our transplant recipients here in the community who are at risk, at greater risk. I think we're all at risk, but are at greater risk, um, as you know, you know, and, and making sure that we're protecting them and all of those who may um, contract it and, and it may be a little bit worse for the wear. And, and so we just really want to continue to encourage, you know, it's such a, a critical time for us to have personal responsibility to make sure that we're doing all that we can to prevent the spread of COVID-19 and, and to be able to do what we can to um, to save our neighbors and our children and our parents and everybody. So um, that would be our message is just to to be smart about where you go and, and when you go and um, wear masks and take all of the precautions and stay home um, because it, it really does matter. And, and just like organ donation matters, it's a personal decision that you're making. And um, we encourage people to be educated about it with organ donation. We want families to have that conversation. We think April is a great opportunity for that conversation for really any month um, mm-hmm. to, to be able to, to share that decision with your loved ones and to let them know um, your wishes of being an organ donor. You can register online. It's incredibly easy. Uh, registerme.org allows anybody across the country to register. It takes three minutes. You can share your wishes with your family and um, and really, we just, you know, take a moment this, um, during this whole COVID-19 um, to really think about the impact that one person can make, either registering themselves as an organ donor or staying home or wearing a mask. Exactly. I mean, I have been in since March 6th. I have had, you know, I, I'm a, a transplant recipient, and I was hearing what was going on in Italy, like the first of March, and I'm like, yeah, I can't get sick. Absolutely, I'm not going <laughs> out. And hand sanitizer at the door. Yeah. I stocked up on toilet paper. Yeah. I, you know, I, I did everything necessary to try to protect myself, and because uh, I, you know, I've been sick since I was two years old. I've had four transplants, and there is no room for error for me. Right. And I, I most likely will probably have to wait to get till there's a vaccine to be able, uh, because it's so risky for me to get the virus. It's literally like Russian roulette. Uh, maybe my body will respond and do well. And, you know, because I have so many antibodies from having so many transplants, I just don't have the right one. I, right. I need that COVID-19 antibody. <laughs> antibody, right. Exactly. I mean, um, but who knows? Maybe all of my antibodies created a COVID-19 <laughs> antibody. That's what I keep visualizing. Um, yes. But, uh, uh, you know, I had a follow-up question thinking about all this because the fact that we are in and we're not really doing anything, um, I imagine, which is a good thing, the number of donors are down because a lot of them are deceased donors because they, frankly, made not such great decisions. Right. And so we've um, we've actually not experienced that. And, and you know, donation can... Um, can occur as a result of brain death. Um, it can also occur as a result of death after cardiac death. So um, we actually have a similar number of organ donor heroes in the month of April as we have um, every other month. And and so we've not seen a decline in um, donor heroes. And 
the number of lives saved. I believe um, to date we've had 39 organs transplanted here in South Carolina, and that's um, pretty on par for us to be able to save that many lives and facilitate that gift of life. So um, it hasn't really decreased our activity. We um, are grateful for our families who continue um, to say yes through these very difficult times, understanding that it's a decision that on top of so many others in the midst of their loss right now and navigating that. Um, but no, you know, it, it's an amazing testament to the gift and we will keep fighting for for those recipients who need that second chance of life because it really, you know, as you know, and as so many of your listeners know, I mean, transplants can't wait and um, and we want to make sure that we're we're doing all that we can to provide that gift. Um, I, I've had a few friends that have needed heart transplants and liver transplants and lung transplants. And, you know, they can't wait. People with kidney disease, you know, they don't want to wait, but we, we have a bridge <laughs> to um, with dialysis to be able to wait. So you really can't put this process on hold at all. Well, you know, Christine, um, thank you so much for, you know, sharing your information on what you do. I love the name of your organization. We are sharing hope. South Carolina, uh, I coined a phrase in the early 90s for RSN is an illness is too demanding when you don't have hope. And and that has always been one of my core missions is to give people hope. And uh, we all need a big dose of hope right now. So We sure um, do. We sure do. And we can do that. We can connect in the clouds. Exactly. And we could go dance in the clouds later tonight. Maybe I'll start a Zumba class or something. There you go. <laughs> well, well, you have a wonderful day. And I look forward to connecting. Yes, that sounds wonderful. I appreciate your time. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.